Gopi Janavalaba Jai Giribanahari Jai Giribanahari Yasuftana Rajajana Yasuftana Rajajana Rajajana Jaya Jamuna Tira Vana Chadi Chaku Jabi Hari Okay. Good morning, Hare Krishna. Welcome to Radhakam Sunday Srimad Bhagavatam class. Today is Friday, January 10th, 2020. And we are reading today from the first canto, chapter number five. We're beginning with text number five. This chapter is entitled Narda's Instructions on Srimad Bhagavatam. Please repeat. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Vyasu Vacha. Mm-hmm. Let me see this meter. I think this one goes. Vastevamapsafam idam trayokam trayoktam. Vastevamesarvam idam trayoktam. Tapi natma, tapi atma parushate me. Tanmulam advaktam agadabodam. 
Vichamahe Vapma Vavatma Bhutam Okay, word for word, Vyasa. Vyas. Uvacha. Said. Asti. There is. Eva. Certainly. May. Mine. Sarvam. All. Idam. This. Tvaya. By you. Yuktam, uttered, uttered like I spoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, tatapi, and yet, na, not, atma, self, paritushate, does pacify, may, me. Tat, of which, mulam, root, avaktam, undetected, agadabodam, the man of unlimited knowledge, unlimited knowledge, unlimited, yeah, um, mahe. Do inquire. Twa, unto you. Atma bhava. Self born. Atma bhutam. Offspring. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada Ki Sri Vyasadeva said, All you have said about me is perfectly correct. Despite all this, I am not pacified. I therefore question you about the root cause of my dissatisfaction. For you are a man of unlimited knowledge due to your being the offspring of one, Brahma, who is self-born without mundane father and mother. Report. In the material world, everyone is engrossed in the idea of identifying the body or the mind with the self. As such, all knowledge disseminated in the material world is related either with the body or with the mind. And that is the root cause of all despondencies. This is not always detected, even though one may be the greatest erudite scholar in materialistic knowledge. It is good, therefore, to approach a personality like Narda to solve the root cause of all despondencies. Why Narda should be approached is explained below. Shri Chaitanya Mano Vistam Stapitam Jaina Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamayam Tatati Swapadantikam. In our verse today, we are seeing that regardless of our material qualifications, 
We cannot overcome our dissatisfactions. Material life offers a very complex labyrinth, a very complex maze of desires and misconceptions that bewilder even the most erudite scholar. Here it's described by Srila Vyasadeva. You see that even though he is being glorified as such a great scholar, having written the Vedic literature, still he cannot overcome his despondencies, his problems. So what should he do? Uh huh. Should he get drunk? Should he just go out and try to make as much money as possible? You think if he makes as much money as possible, that will stop the problems of his life? Maybe he should go up in an airplane and jump out with a parachute. Right? Or maybe he should just get a pet dog. Any other reasons, things he might have to do to, so he can become happy? Chant Hare Krishna. My, my. Chant and be happy. I see. Yeah, the, the point is that because the material body and the mind are imperfect, so when we try to solve the problems of life, utilizing the material senses or the senses of others or the extended senses of others. For example, like using um, electronic telescopes, right? Um, Even though we may be able to extend our senses in certain ways, but still, because the senses themselves are imperfect, our conclusions are always imperfect. You understand? Just like if you ask somebody, who are they? Most people, they just describe their body. I'm an Indian, I'm middle-aged, I'm an engineer, I'm, I'm African-American, I, you know, I ride my bicycle. You see? You can imagine, right, one of those television game shows... The devotees could start it called, Who Am I? So the different contestants would come on, you know, they could have like certain, you know, high qualifications, PhDs, whatever, you know. And then the question would always remain the same. Who are you? And then the person will say, well, I'm a PhD, I'm uh, 10 years old, you know, I, uh, or I'm, you know, from Singapore, or I'm from Nepal, or I'm from, you see? People are not basing their identity upon the simple fact that we're not this body, we're the consciousness within the body. So, it's kind of like, you know, if you do a mathematical formula... So, say it's a very big mathematical formula, right? So many different combinations of uh, 
you know, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, all these things combined, right? But if the original, um, you know, figures, the original calculation is wrong, everything becomes wrong. So think about it. See, if we think that we're this body or if we think that we're this mind, then the goal of life becomes to satisfy the body and the mind. Right? And the means for achieving that is sense gratification. So sense gratification has four categories. Eating, sleeping, sex, and defense. And for the mind, gaining a sense of superiority over others. You see? So, because of that misconception of thinking that we're the body or the mind, then we ultimately force ourselves into a life of pursuing sense gratification. In Sanskrit, it's called dviparapashu, two-legged animal. That it's no better, that that type of life is no better than the life of an animal. Even the dog and the cat, right, are sleeping and having sex. You see? But as soon as we um, consider that I'm not this body, I'm the pure spirit soul, and the purpose of the pure spirit soul is to please and serve Krishna, then devotional service becomes the natural means, the natural, uh, uh, um, you know, the, the, the natural course of life. It's very natural, you see? It's very natural to love and to worship Krishna, to serve Krishna, to help others to understand their spiritual identity, to go out of the material world, back home, back to Godhead. You see? It's very unnatural to try to um, dominate and exploit the resources of material nature and to try to manipulate one another. You see? Just like, for example, if I tell tell you, okay, you should serve me. Right? You'll just hate me. Somebody's demanding from you to serve them, then they'll only you will only develop hatred for that person. But as soon as the person says, Let me serve you, let me help you, you see, then immediately your love becomes awakened. So in the same way, you see, in devotional service, when we try to serve and please Krishna, Krishna's natural love for us, which is always there, but it becomes awakened. And also the purpose of life becomes clear within us to to try to help. Have a great day. To try to help one another. Human life is meant for helping one another, not taking advantage of one another, not telling one another what to do, not trying to, you know, get money from one another, 
All these things are just very dissatisfying. Even if you're successful at it, even if you're successful at becoming very, very rich or uh, very powerful, but your heart will remain hard. See, I'll give you a simple example. Just like, say, um, say a, a, uh, a devotee goes shopping, right? So, of course, it's natural that when you go out and work, you want to make as much money as possible, right? If um, someone offers you a job where, say, you make $100 an hour, or someone offers you the job and they're making $10 an hour, you're going to naturally want the job that pays $100 an hour. So it's natural to want to make as much money as possible. You see? Now, so you take the money and you go to the store. So it's natural to want to buy the best of everything that's in the store, right? If there's some rotten vegetables or fruit, you don't want that. Some rotten flowers, you don't want that. You want what's fresh and very nice, right? And then it's natural, of course, to... So you want the best of everything, naturally. And then you go home and you want to cook something very nice, the best something very, very nice, right? And then you sit down and eat. Okay? So, you see, when life's based on sense gratification, then... It's like, I want to make as much money as possible for myself. I want to buy the best of everything in the store for myself. I want to cook very nice preparations for myself. I want to sit down and eat to satisfy myself. So it becomes kind of selfish, right? Our hearts become hard like that. Just like the other day, I was in Whole Foods, I was shopping, you know, I'm dressed in a dhoti, I mean, obviously I'm something, right? A monk or whatever I am, I'm something. So, I was going to pick something from the vegetables. And then one very professional looking man, he comes up and just cuts in front of me and starts to take the best of everything for himself. Right? I didn't say anything, I just stood there and let him finish his thing and go, Right? But it's kind of rude, isn't it? You see? So if we do that every day, you see, all day long, then gradually our relationships begin to break down. And no matter what we acquire, we remain dissatisfied. You see? Whereas the devotee the devotee may go out and work and make as much money as possible. Whatever they may do, selling books or running a business or operating a restaurant, whatever it may be. Yeah, of course, they want to be successful. You see? So we're trying to make as much money as possible, but the difference is we want to do that for Krishna. It requires money to spread Krishna consciousness, just like this temple, isn't it beautiful? Requires so much money to construct this temple, to install the deities, to worship them nicely. You see? So we go up and we collect as much money as possible, but instead of thinking, I want to collect as much money for myself, 
Let me do that for Krishna. <coughs> Same way. I go to the grocery store. I want to buy the best of everything in the store. But not for me. Let me buy the best of everything for Krishna. To offer to Krishna. You see? Let me go home. Let me cook something very nice. But not for myself. For Krishna. You see? Prabhupada, he makes this point. He said that for so many millions of lifetimes, we've done nothing but take from Krishna, take things from Krishna. Now he said, just utilize this one life to give to Krishna and see how much you, can, how much you will benefit. It's natural, right? To want to reciprocate with the person that's been giving us everything. So, so when we cook something really nice, instead of just sitting down and eating, we offer it to Krishna. And then we take Krishna's prasadam. So when we do that, even just that simple behavior of trying to please and serve Krishna, and our hearts become soft. We become peaceful and happy. Basically the same identical activity. But just one person is doing it out of petty selfishness for their own sense gratification. And the other person is doing it to please Krishna. It's not that the devotee doesn't eat. It's not that the devotee is the loser. The devotee gains so much because he gains Krishna. So Srila Vyasadeva is asking, you know, I've compiled all of this literature, Vedic literature, so much detailed information. You can barely, you know, um, like, it's, it's impossible to even imagine what it takes to write 100,000 verses in the, of the Mahabharata or 24,000 verses of the Ramayana or... Um, you know, the Vedas, the original Vedas, or the Vedanta Sutra, all these literatures, I mean, this is, these are voluminous, you know, scholastic achievements that are unparalleled in the world. There is nobody in the history of the world that can be compared to the achievements of Srila Vyasadeva. But he's feeling dissatisfied, so he's wondering what should he do. So here, it's being direct, he's being directed by Narada Muni that you have to approach a bona fide spiritual master in disciplic succession. Okay? So the, the simple example that's given by Srila Prabhupada is just like... Um, Say if we were tied up, right? If our arms and legs were tied behind our backs. So only somebody who's free, who's untied, could untie us, right? So in the same way, because this knowledge is describing a reality, 
which is beyond the purview of the material senses. Right? Our material senses cannot directly perceive Krishna. So, because this is describing a reality beyond the purview of the senses, only somebody who's freed from bondage of the material senses of the material energy, that person can realize Krishna. And that person can teach us how to become freed from the modes of material nature, from the, the, the confines of the material energy, and also realize Krishna. See, a great scholar cannot do that. Even though a person may be very knowledgeable, even in terms of the Vedas, this is a perfect example with Srila Vyasadev. Right? So, even though someone might be a great scholar, be very rich, be very powerful, be, um, you know, very beautiful, whatever material achievement or material, um, you know, abilities or um, accoutrements they may have in terms of their culture or in terms of their research or in terms of whatever they may have achieved materially, these things do not give one the ability to get free from the material nature. So, um, only a person who's already freed. So, therefore, the disciplic succession is so important because it's a line of great spiritual personalities, men and women, who are freed from the modes of material nature. And they can guide us, you know, how do we become free ourselves? That's why these programs are so important that Srila Prabhupada put in place. This morning program, the evening program, reading Srimad Bhagavatam, offering our food, you see, worshipping the deities, all these things are meant to free us from this bondage of repeated birth and death and this disconstant dissatisfaction that comes from misidentifying with the body and the mind. You know, if you really think about it, I mean, what is the body actually offering? Only suffering. Birth, right? Growth, dwindling, disease, old age, death. It's not like suddenly the body, you know, gives somebody some super experience. It's not that if somebody becomes very rich, suddenly, you know, like he can eat um, 50 pieces of cake instead of one piece of cake. Right? Whether a person's poor or rich, they can only eat one or two pieces of cake. It's not that even whatever you do to place yourself, you know, in a better material arrangement, but still the experience with the material energy is the same. You see? In fact, a lot of wealthy people, they become even more stressed. 
constantly worried about their position and constantly, you know, caring about some type of, um, you know, um, false ego. A friend of mine, he's an artist, and uh, he made a sculpture of this man. So the man's walking like an Indian, you know, and he's carrying a cart, kind of like, not like a rickshaw, but a cart, you know, like, so it's got two wheels and it has a things, right? And the guys sometimes walk and push those carts. But instead of like being um, hay or vegetables on the cart or anything, he has this huge inflated head and with a long neck and his head is on the cart. And he's push, pushing the cart with his head on this cart, this massive head. And it, see, because that's actually our greatest burden. Carrying our own false egos, mis, our own misidentification with the body. We're making our own misery. Nobody else can make us miserable. Misery coming to us is coming to us because of our own misuse of material energy, our own misidentification with the body. Look at it, you know, like just like some days, right? You have the same house, the same job, the same car, the same clothing, same education, right? But you feel so good. Then the next day, you have all the same things, but you feel so miserable. It's not that anything changed. Because of our own, it's because of our own mind and senses, because of identifying with the body and the mind. So, association with persons who are free from the modes of material nature. There's a lot of beautiful verses like that. Let me see if I can remember one. I know there's one from the fifth canto. Let me see if I remember it. Ruhuganai tattapasne te na cheju nevra panagriyadva na chandasaneva jalagni suyai vina mahat padarajo vishikam. My dear King Ruhugana. Unless one has the opportunity to smear his entire body with the dust of the lotus feet, from the lotus feet of a pure devotee, one cannot realize the absolute truth. One cannot realize the absolute truth simply by abstaining from sex, celibacy, by practicing celibacy as a brahmacharya, nor by perfectly following the rules and regulations of householder life, nor by leaving home as a vanaprastha nor by accepting sannyas, nor by surrounding oneself in the summer by a scorching fire under the heat of the sun, or by submerging oneself in the freezing cold water of a river in the winter. There are many processes by which one can understand the absolute truth, but the absolute truth is only realized by one who's attained the mercy of a great devotee. So the Bhagavatam is recommending that, you know, that the devotees, they're very dear to Krishna. And when we um, associate with the devotees and try to serve them, 
then naturally Krishna becomes pleased with us and especially um, with an advanced devotee. Uh, advanced devotee means someone who um, is able to give themselves to us freely. A person who's no longer interested in trying to acquire things for himself or herself. A person who's simply interested in pleasing and loving Krishna and trying to help others to do that. So, um, this is really the, the, the root cause of all despondency. The root cause of all despondency is one, being entangled in the material world. And two, not having association that's freed from the modes of material nature. That's why it's really important we come together like this, you know. Even if we ourselves are not free, at least the words that are here within the Srimad Bhagavatam, every single word has been spoken for our ultimate enlightenment and the upliftment of the entire human society. This literature is completely unparalleled. There's nothing like this within the entire confines of this universe or within millions of material universes. These, this literature holds the key to complete freedom from all distress and ever-increasing, unending satisfaction of the, of the heart. It's almost unbelievable that we could have such great fortune um, in a sea within our hands, within our, our um, you know, ability um, to... And it's so nicely written. Prabhupada's written the, the Bhagavatam so beautifully that... Um, it's unique in that it appeals to all classes of men. See, sometimes, um, if you read earlier in the Bhagavatam, Srila Sukadeva Goswami, right, is compared to be like a parrot. And, um, but the reason is not that he um, repeated exactly what he heard from his father, Srila Vyasadeva. Like, you know, what parrots do that, right? They repeat. So, but that's not the reason that he's compared to be like a parrot. Even though he does perfectly present what he heard from Srila Vyasadeva. There's no adulteration or change. But the reason he's compared to be like a parrot, because a parrot, its red beak, when it touches a fruit, the fruit becomes more sweet and succulent. So in the same way, by taking this Bhagavatam, which he heard from his father, Srila Vyasadeva, and by speaking it to Maharaj Parikshit, he made it so sweet that it is, um, it is um, attractive to all classes of men. But we just have to like avail ourselves to this. You see? 
It's so easy to become covered over by the material energy, by so many problems and desires. You see? But actually, the Bhagavatam is non-different than Krishna himself. It descended specifically. The Bhagavatam was spoken specifically to um, give us the association of Krishna in his physical absence. The Bhagavatam is identical with Krishna himself. So, um, and, you know, if you compare Krishna to our problems, right? Krishna, like there's different forms of, right? Das Avatar, like you can imagine, right? Like Lord Varaha, right? He was so huge. He could lift the earth up just in his tusks, right? Like, you know? So you imagine if Krishna is that big, that powerful, then... What are our problems compared to him? So the thing is, see, we just don't avail ourselves to Krishna's association. When we hear the Bhagavatam, then naturally all of these things which are um, a source of misery for us in the material world become more or less insignificant. Compared like all of the misery in this material world, it shrinks down to the size of a puddle that's left from the hoof print of a calf. It can easily be stepped over. So this all comes through this association of the disciplic succession here, you see Shulavyasadev, you know, he's made that, um, you know, he, he, he's made it um, obvious that even someone who's so greatly qualified, you see, will also face so much despondency on account of the complexities of material nature. But if, he, if we approach a bona fide spiritual master in disciplic succession, and hear from them submissively, you see, then by that culture of knowledge, the Supreme Personality of Godhead will become established within our hearts as an irrevocable fact. And we'll always remain peaceful and happy. Okay, so I'm going to stop here, you guys. Thanks for sitting with me and reading a little bit. All right. I don't know if you have any questions or comments. Oh, you have a question, Sampradaya? Well, there you go, see? I think Krishna will just chase you for fun.
He's not going to chase you to hurt you. Krishna is so kind. Yeah. You see the picture here like with Krishna with the boys playing with the cows? They're chasing each other and they're having fun. Krishna, Krishna just likes to have fun. He doesn't want to have problems. Do you want problems? Do you want problems? I don't want problems. Yeah, so that's the thing. Why would Krishna want problems? He's God. He can do anything he wants. So Krishna is doing it. Krishna is having fun. That's all he needs to do. Krishna, he can do anything, Sam. You know, just like I was telling you the other day, the, these uh, engineers, they're estimating that the human eye can process 10.5 million colors per millisecond. They're saying it's not humanly possible to recreate the eye. Anything that can even come any, um, anywhere near close to the ability the eye has to process information. Right? So just imagine Krishna is creating not only um, so many living beings with, their, with eyes, but he's creating these bodies that can regenerate themselves. You see? Completely naturally. Completely pollution-free. Without any, you know, endeavor. Just set into motion. Perfect system. So we have to see, you know, that whether they want to admit it or not, there is a higher power that's so far beyond human capability to reproduce. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, nice. So how can we identify someone who's free from the modes of material nature? Well, that's a very nice discussion, both in the Bhagavad Gita and in the Srimad Bhagavatam. To how to recognize a bona fide spiritual master in disciplic succession. And we have so many beautiful examples, you know, Srila Prabhupada, of course, you know, living amongst us, even we have so many amazing spiritual masters. Uh, His Holiness Giri Raj Maharaj, we have Ritajavar Maharaj here, we have um, Gopal Krishna Maharaj, so many. And you can see by their actions, you know, that they're not um, motivated for. Uh, the same types of, you know, sensual enjoyment. In other words, the devotees, the pure devotee is working hard. But you see, he's doing everything for Krishna. Publishing books for Krishna, opening temples for Krishna, helping others to understand the information about Krishna. You see? So, um, to recognize someone, you basically, you have to get to know them. Um, you know, 
when, when you go to a university and you look for an authority, right, in a particular field, they have certain abilities, right? So for a devotee, a person that is um, free from the modes of material nature, he can be recognized because he's making devotees, right? He's helping others get free from the material energy. Otherwise, how is he qualified? And also, if you study the life, you know, most of these men and women, they've given up sex life, they've given up trying to um, accumulate um, what economic development. Um, they live very simply. Prabhupada only kept a few sets of clothes. He had billions of dollars at his disposal, but he was using that money exclusively for Krishna. If you saw how Prabhupada was living when he was here personally, it was very simple. Just had one seat, he had a full open bed. I don't think even us could, we could even tolerate sleeping in that type of bed. You know, the kind that with the springs that your back hurts from sleeping in those? Yeah. And Prabhupada, he made no personal demands. He, he didn't keep a personal bank account and accumulate a bunch of money and buy some big golden Rolls Royce or something like that. Yeah, sometimes the devotees would pick him up, you know, in a Rolls Royce, just out of respect for Prabhupada. But that's good. That's good for people to see that and for the devotees to do that. You know, just like um, once um, there was... Um, a spiritual master had come to the airport. This was in uh, Los Angeles, and the devotees were distributing books. So, um, one businessman had gotten a book, and he saw the devotees pull up with this Mercedes Benz to get the spiritual master. So, he immediately came running over, and he said, here, take your book back, take your book back right now. So, the, the spiritual master asked him, what's wrong? And he said, I thought you people were spiritual. How can you be spiritual and be driving around in a car like this? So one of the sannyasis who was present there, he said, "What? just a minute, sir, just a minute, sir. He said, you're making a big mistake. He said, let me try to explain. He said, we've intentionally went and purchased this car and have come to pick up the, the spiritual master with this car to show how the ambassador and representative of God should be treated. He said, who else do you want to drive around in cars like this? You want the government officials that are cheating you to be driving around in cars like this? He said, you want the perverts from Hollywood driving around in cars like this? He said, but, and, and the ambassador and representative of God, you want him to be driving around in a piece of junk? Is that what you expect? He said, actually, I think you have a value judgment problem. I think you should take the book and read the book and try to understand more clearly how everything should be utilized in the service of the Lord. And the guy was very appreciative. He said, wow, you know, I didn't even think of that. He said, thank you so much. He took the book back and everything. So it's not that the spiritual master is demanding a Mercedes or demanding this or that, but we're, but we're trying to, you know... Um, properly facilitate and respect those who've dedicated themselves, you see, body, mind, and words to the service of Krishna. 
You see? That's what pleases Krishna. You see? Yeah. How can you motivate yourself to wake up early? Go to bed early. The whole reason we're having a hard time coming in the morning is because we're so tired. People are tired. So when the alarm goes off, they go back to sleep. But if a person's had enough rest, they'll think, oh, naturally I feel good. Let me get up. And also it comes by association. See, like... I've, that's one of the reasons I love being in the community because I know at least one person will be here. So it gives me a reason to go and associate. You see? Whereas on our own, you know, we may think, oh, no one's there anyway. You see? Right? If I'm on my own somewhere, you know, oh, I'm just by myself. I feel a little tired or whatever. So we have to be a little disciplined with ourselves, you know? Try to go to bed early, try to get enough rest, take a little nap when we're tired. And then in the morning when the alarm clock goes off, we'll feel good. Because when you do get up, you feel good, right? When we chant together, when we have the kirtan together, when we discuss the Bhagavatam together, we feel so good. Without this, then what? Just a cup of coffee? I don't even know. You know, coffee is not very good compared to what you can get when you come to the morning program. It's like poison. Nice prasadam here. And the deities, the darshan is so beautiful. This darshan is so different when you're here in the temple than when you just look on your phone. You know, like when you look on your phone, it's like looking at the deities from out of an airplane or something, you know. You know what I mean? You feel so far away from them. But when you're here, I mean, aren't they beautiful? It's such a different experience. So that's the thing. We have to, like, you know, get a taste and, you know, have friends that are also waking up and, of course, take care of ourselves. We've got to get enough rest, you know. See, the Western lifestyle is always directed towards over-endeavoring, over-endeavoring for mundane things that are difficult to achieve, you know. You, you have this car, no, you need the better car. You have this degree, no, you need a better degree. You have this position, no, you need another position. You're always over-endeavoring, so people are just exhausted, and the only way they keep up pace is by so much caffeine and other things, Right? You know, I drive for a living. You go into these these uh, gas stations and truck stops and things. There's like, let's say, maybe 300 different types of drink. Every one of them. Not just, there is not a single one. I think you might get a one bottle of juice with no caffeine. Let's, so let's say out of 300 drinks, 299 are loaded with caffeine. Why? Because people are so run down. They're so exhausted. They're so over-endeavored. They're, so, they're endeavoring, over-endeavoring so much. They have to constantly be, you know, drowning themselves in coffee and 
drinks and, uh, you know, monsters and drinks and all these different things filled. How much caffeine and sugar can a person consume? There's no nutrition in that food they're eating either. All that processed bread and, you know, meat and cheese. You go into the big grocery stores and you'll find items being sold. The expiration date is two and three years later. So, you know, like if you had something in your home for three years, will you eat that? There's no food value. Food value comes from fresh food. Fresh food, fresh milk, fresh grains, fresh vegetables, fresh fruits. Not from all this processed foods and caffeine and ugh. Frozen is even worse. There's no value there. Frozen solid. Even the colors like really funny, you know. You look at something in a bottle or whatever, you know, it's like instead of being green, it's like gray. And then they put so much salt and other things in it. It's not healthy. But we're expected to eat that because that's how the society is set up. We need to reform that. It's horrible. Oh, it's convenient. It's convenient to go here or there. It's convenient to die. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop. Thank you so much. Okay, Hare Krishna. Going to Rashi Bhagavatam Ki. Srila Prabhupada Ki. Have a great day, you guys. Where is the Srila Prabhupada? Thanks for saying that.